Hello, friends. This is your friend, Kent C. Dodds. I'm super excited to be here with my friend, Alex Anderson. Say hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. <laughs> and so that that's great. Um, Alex, um, so you and I have actually, we went through the same school program, um, except you were behind me. Uh, how, when did you graduate? I actually graduated just this last April, so April of 2019. Yeah, yeah. So I graduated in 14, so it's quite a ways back but actually your brother your older brother and i went through the program together um which is kind of fun mm -hmm. um and uh yeah so you've been working on some stuff that i think is awesome and i'm excited to talk about it but before we get into that i want people to get to know you a little bit and so why don't you just give us a little intro to alex anderson or r alex anderson <laughs> yes r alex anderson uh my first name is a closely guarded secret <laughs> and be going by R. Alex Anderson is actually something that my drama director back in high school uh, started doing when I was billed for any of the plays that I was in. Hmm. So at the same time, when I was going to high school, I was working at this uh, Star Trek space camp for fifth. They did fifth and sixth grade field trips. And then they also did uh, overnight camps and private programs for birthday parties or for adult groups that want to come in and fly around in spaceships. Hmm. And that's actually where I got my start programming was developing these simulator controls for these space centers. And then that just kind of evolved from there until I learned how to do web development and react. And now I'm working for a quote unquote real company doing quote unquote real work. Uh, <laughs> but my passion is definitely still these, these spaceship controls. And when I'm not doing that or any number of other things, I like to bake, I like to cook, I like to, to make things. So yeah, it sounds like you like to have fun. <laughs> I do like to have fun. That is definitely a, a criteria of most of the things I choose to do. <laughs> I find the fun in it regardless of what I'm doing. Like even the most boring or monotonous thing can have some degree of fun. Oh, that's a, a nice outlook. Um, well, wonderful. So um, the spaceship stuff is, is what I in particular wanted to bring you on to talk about because I just think it's so fascinating um, what you've been able to build. And, and it, um, like, I, I think maybe people need to get a bit more of a description because it actually took me a while to understand exactly what this is. So you, you have this Thorium project, this open source um, next generation Starship simulator controls. And mm -hmm. if you go to the website, it's, it's really cool. I don't know if you are the one who designs like the, the images that you have on here or whatever, but it's like, what, what even is this? Uh, and so, uh, can you give us an idea of what exactly are you building and how do your users use this? Um, and, uh, and I'm also kind of curious what the motivation was to make it open source or other people using this project, all that yeah. stuff I want to know. Okay. So get ready. Um, I actually talked about this. I gave a talk at uh, ReactConf just last year, um, and we can get a link to that in the show notes for people to, to get a little bit of context there. Uh, basically, this space center was started by a teacher who wanted a way to help his students uh, grasp science and technology and you know STEM uh, concepts, but also have this uh, artistic and 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 interactive portion to it. So everybody in 
on the crew has a position. You've got the captain, the first officer, navigator, uh, the weapons officer, and they're all trained on how to do their jobs with these computer controls. And then they're given a mission that they need to accomplish during their time on the spaceship. So go and explore this area of space or go and negotiate with these aliens or go and study this, this supernova that's about to happen or all kinds of other things. Uh, hijinks ensues. And hopefully if they do their jobs well and work together well, then at the end of their mission, they have a, a mission completion and successfully completed it. Hooray. Um, they have a, a, there's a flight director, uh, a staff member who works at these space centers, uh, trained behind the scenes on how everything is supposed to work on the storylines that they're supposed to tell. You can think of them like a Dungeons and Dragons game, dungeon master, or the, just someone behind the scenes who manages mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, sure. So Thorium is the software that they use for the computer controls and the flight director controls. And I, I'm, trying to add more and more show control aspects to it as well for the main view screen, for sound effects, for lighting controls, for all sorts of stuff um, to make it so that flight directors are able to tell all kinds of amazing stories to the crews that come do these space center experiences. Yeah. And so the, the crews that are um, coming in, like the school groups or whoever um, they're interacting um, with your web application basically, right? And and pressing buttons on, like are these tablets that they're working on or, or what's, what's the user's experience in using what you've built? Yeah, so that's the cool thing about Thorium. It's entirely web-based, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, because here mm -hmm. I am trying to build a basically a networked real-time video game in the browser, which is not without its share of problems. Most people mm. would just reach for Unity or Unreal or something. But uh, mm. I just think the web is so great. It, it makes it really cross-platform, makes it really accessible. So all you have to do is just run the server on one computer, and then all the other computers connect to that server, and bam, you've got a spaceship. Mm -hmm. um, that's part of the reason I, I chose that, was to make it so it was as easy to get up and running as possible, um, which is one thing that the web provides. Yeah. Um, as far as like the actual hardware, I haven't done a whole lot of testing, but uh, I do know that it does work on pretty much anything. I, I think people have tried doing it on Raspberry Pis with mixed success. Uh, there's some of these simulators that have only touch screens, and so the controls are designed to work in those circumstances. Mm. Um, most of them just have a regular computer with uh, keyboard and mouse. But mm -hmm. I, I found recently, I went to one of the space centers to do a, a simulation with my coworkers at my day job. This is not my day job. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just decided to take a look at the specs of the computers to see what it was running on. It, these were 10-year-old iMacs, okay? Like, I know that Macs have pretty good longevity, but 10 years. But, like, I was mm. impressed that it was able to run as well as it did. Yeah. And like, do you think that this is the kind of thing that um, would make sense in a like, you know, where lots of people are quarantined right now? Like, could we d play this as a, a family at home or something like is this something that only really makes sense in the context of a, a specific building that has all the decorations and whatever of being in a spaceship? Or is this something that you could have as like a collaborative game that you could just play at home? 
That's a really good question and something that I've been working on and thinking a lot about. I would say that I've definitely been focusing more on the brick and mortar space centers mm -hmm. and you'll definitely get a much better, more polished experience that way. Um, that being said, I think if you knew what you were doing, uh, which is, it's, it's a complicated piece of software. So that, that mm. that's a big ask there, <laughs> um, but I think that you could have a good living room simulator experience if you were to set it up right. And mm. something that I'm working on right now is making it easier for people who perhaps you're an experienced Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master. If, if you know what you're doing there, I want to make it so that it would be easy for you to transition over to flying Thorium flights uh, as a flight director. Yeah, yeah, that's... Seems like a, a world of opportunity awaits. Um, that yeah, that sounds like that might be a lot of fun. Um, there, there's actually this game that I really enjoy called Space Team. Um, oh yeah, that, Space uh, Team's great. Yeah, it makes me think of that. So, very cool. So, how many um, like simulators are running your software? Ooh, good question. Um, so the the space centers that I'm aware of using it uh, full time. There are five locations in Utah and oh, wow. yeah, and some of them have multiple simulators. So I think it's a total of about, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. And then there are actually two more simulators under construction right now. So that would bring it up to 15 simulators that use my software full time. And then there are a number of hobbyists that have found it on the internet, downloaded it, and use it for whatever purposes. Um, frankly, I don't know. They don't tell me everything they do with it. They just do it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, wow. That's been one of the most interesting things about this whole experience. I set up a, a Discord server, which the link's in the thoriumsim.com website, and random people just show up and say, hey, I found this. I think it's really cool. And we talk for a bit and they ask some questions about how to do stuff. So kind of fun seeing the reach of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so the, the thing that prompted me to get you onto the, uh, on to chat with me about this, cause we we've talked about this in the past, but I've noticed some things that you've been working on recently with this, um, that have just kind of blown my mind. So we, we've got a Twitter thread that I'll have in the show notes here of just some of the progress that you've been making on the the simulator experience and it's more than just like buttons and knobs and and uh, controls to make things happen and now what it, like that and that's kind of what i thought it was is just you know some buttons and knobs and, and alerts showing up and you know tasks to do um but like i'm seeing spaceships actually flying in space and like you have um like a throttle and yaw and joystick and acceleration and like all this physics, like actually it's a, like a legit game and stuff now, um, which is really cool. People should absolutely take a look at some of this stuff. I don't even know where you begin with this, um, with making 3D models and, and especially like in the web. I don't know what you're even doing here. So do you want to tell us a little bit about this? What are your goals for um, having like um, the actual spaceship flying around um, on the screen here and... Um, yeah, like, what are, what are some of the challenges that you faced with this too? Mm, that's great. Um, so the the way that space centers have operated in the past has been very hand-wavy, where the flight director just kind of 
says to the crew, oh, there's a ship in front of you and they're a bad guy ship. Mm. And maybe they'll show some videos on the main view screen in front of all of the crew that they've ripped from Star Trek episodes to, <laughs> to depict those ships. But and, and there is an officer, the sensors officer that has a little sonar grid that shows the position of ships relative to the crew's ship. Um but all of that's ephemeral. As soon as those ships leave the sensor grid, they disappear completely. Um, and the position of the simulator isn't tracked in space. It's all just up to the, the imagination of the crew and the flight director. That definitely has its benefits because it means that literally anything could happen. Uh, but at the same time, it has drawbacks, especially when it comes to new flight directors that maybe don't have all of these this library of video clips that they can pull on for any ships that come in or all, I mean, basically you have to put everything together beforehand and have this package of a mission uh, prepared so that you can show the right things at the right time. Um, I wanted to make it so that you could show everything that was happening in space actually there on your main view screen. And I also wanted to make it so that there was a little bit more realism in the controls, where if you launch a robotic probe into space, you'll actually be able to see that robotic probe fly off into space. Or if you have 10 ships come approach you on sensors from different angles, then you can actually see those 10 ships on your main view screen. And if you fly away, those 10 ships are still there. You can fly back and they'll still be there. So the biggest challenge with all of this for me has been figuring out how to model it all in a way that is realistic, but also simple enough for fifth and sixth graders to be able to understand how to use these controls and how they work. Mm. Um, and also making it so that the flight director still has the power to tell the stories that they want. Um, one thing that people sometimes don't realize is that space is really dang big in that Twitter thread, there's actually one uh, tweet where I talked about flying towards the sun, which is 93 million miles away from Earth. And that's where I started from. And I just flew at the fastest speed I possibly could that I've programmed in so far, which is one-tenth the speed of light. And even going at one-tenth the speed of light for 10 minutes, it doesn't look like you've moved at all. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, normally it takes like eight minutes. So at one-tenth, you'd imagine it would take 80 minutes to get there. But even after uh, one-eighth of the time it takes to get there, it, it doesn't look like you've moved at all. Hmm. Um, it sounds kind of boring. Star Trek, <laughs> the super boring. In Star Trek, if you travel at literally the fastest speed that any of their ships can go, it would take you about a day to get from Earth to the nearest star, Alpha Centauri. Hmm. But these missions that these space centers do take place over an hour and a half. Like they don't have time for that. You've got to be able to get from star to star within that time and still be home for supper. Yeah. <laughs> so figuring out how to balance all of those different things is has been the biggest challenge. Well, so what's the solution? How do you make it like, do you just make it so that they have teleportation capabilities or that they can travel um, at beyond the speed of light or what's, what's the solution there? Right. And, and, and obviously you have to be able to travel faster than the speed of light. Um, and, but figuring out how to, how to put this all together, I've actually been working with the space centers themselves, with the staff members, with the directors and anybody that I can find who's willing to talk about this crazy stuff. 
um, to, to get their take on it. And I've gotten a lot of really good ideas from them, which have helped me as I've, I've kind of constructed this piece by piece. Um, yeah, it's been really interesting going through this whole process and discovering as I go, not only the things that, that this thing is capable of that I didn't necessarily realize before these emergent opportunities, but also the, the challenges that await me in the future as I mm. go. Um, just, yeah, interesting just taking it step by step. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's actually, so I, I've kind of gone deeper into the um, the actual thing that you've built because I just think it's so fascinating. Um, but the thing that I, uh, that like to bring it to a, a real takeaway for people of um, what I wanted to talk about here was how you've been able to uh, to build this thing that honestly I look at this and I'm like I how do you do that like I didn't realize that people will do this like of course they do this like there there are some really amazing pieces of software people create but I'm like I I know the person who made this stuff like it looks really <laughs> incredible so um yeah I just wanted to talk with you about um how do you set out to create something um that you, maybe like at the beginning I assume you you never took any classes about this or anything. No, um, I haven't. Yeah, and it's yeah could you like imagine a, the Marriott School teaching classes on video game development? It's, it's a business school at yeah. University. <laughs> That's where Kent and I went to school. Yeah, yeah. That I I can't really see that happening. Um, yeah. So, like, how do you go about? You know, did did you envision creating something that you've created here, or you know, if you did or didn't? Either way, like, how did you get to? building something like this, especially when it's not something you're paid for or your full-time um, job or, or the thing that you do all the time, how do you get yourself from doing nothing um, to actually building stuff, especially since you just like barely went full-time as a software engineer as well? Yeah, um, it, it really does. It, it takes a, a certain level of crazy uh, to do this when it's not your full-time job. And I don't get paid for the work that I do on Thorium. Sometimes I get donations, but it's not a whole lot, just enough to keep the lights on for the, the project itself. Um, and it really, it's been just tickling the back of my mind forever. Um, I've been working on Thorium itself for the past almost four years now. And even before that, I've been thinking about how to build this 3D universe that crews can experience that uh, in in these these vast epic stories where they fly around through space and and the technical requirements of doing that are just uh there's a lot of stuff that you've got to learn so for me i suppose the the very first thing that i did was i started experimenting just playing around with things um and, and this is back years and years and years still. Um, so I learned a little bit about how 3D animation works. I did a, a Udemy course on 3JS uh, and thought about how all of the different aspects of these simulations work together. Then uh, about six months ago, after doing experiments for years and years and years, I finally wrote up everything that I wanted these uh, this 3D universe to operate, how, how it was supposed to work in a RFC. That's a request for comments. And it, it just became the document for how everything should behave. 
based on my understanding at that point, of course. And since I had it in, in words and in writing, I could send it around to other people and get their thoughts on it and make sure that I was going in the right direction so I wasn't doing something that my users wouldn't like. And then with that document in place, I finally sat down and according to the, the Twitter thread, uh, apparently on February 22nd, I started writing in a code sandbox, just pulling in a couple of tools and seeing what I could put out there just to, to get started. And that kind of started the ball rolling. Um, I also want to make sure that I point out that so much of this is not me per se, but but standing on the shoulders of giants of others that have done a lot of the work for me beforehand. So uh, the Space Center folks that helped me uh, percolate some of these ideas, uh, React is what I use to to build Thorium, and I'm also using it to build this uh, 3D universe, and that's being driven by React 3 Fiber by Paul Henschel, which is just an amazing piece of software and so easy to pick up and use and has just made building this a, a, a joy and delight. Um, and honestly, React 3 Fiber hasn't been around for that long. And frankly, React hasn't been around for that long either. And the fact that these tools have finally arrived and gotten to the point where I can use them in this um, is also part of the reason why it's taken me so long to actually do this after years and years of experiment looking at things. Finally, the stars are aligning, literally, <laughs> and I'm able to, to finally uh, put something together. Um, and then just with that Twitter thread, uh, let me take a look back at the, the beginning of it. I start with just a, a grid that you can scroll around on and and pan and zoom and stuff. And then I put some boxes on it, and then I put some spheres on it, and then I make it so that you can change the color of the spheres. And then finally, I start like putting textures on them and making them look like planets. And then a little later, I start putting... Uh, 3D models on that look like spaceships. Like it was just a little bit here and a little bit there, doing a lot of research to discover things that I maybe didn't know before. And just over time, things finally start coming together to the point where uh, as of today, which is the, the 1st of April, happy April Fool's Day, um, I've got my joystick and a throttle, and I'm able to use the joystick and the throttle to control a ship as it flies through space around these objects, which is just really satisfying to be able to come to this point. And I know I still have a really long ways to go as far as like all the features and all the things that I want it to, to be able to do, but getting to this point and the fact that it works is like huge relief and a big like euphoric feeling. Yeah, I I can imagine. Um, it's um, just really in incredible what you've been able to accomplish and, in doing something on your off time. Like, how much time do you typically spend on Thorium development um, every day? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it depends on the day. Some days I just can't. And I just say to myself, you know, I've done enough. I'm going to take a little break. And... I don't even touch it. Uh, some days I really get in the zone and I can spend, like if it's a weekend, if I'm lucky enough to get in the zone on a weekend, I can spend eight hours 
jamming on this wow. so long as my wife is okay with me spending that time on it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I get a kick out of it. I enjoy it. Um, it. The typical day, I'll probably spend maybe an hour on it. Um, I wake up really early in the morning and just get out of bed, pull up Thorium, fix some bugs or work on the 3D universe or do something for a little bit just every single day. Um, some days I can only put in maybe 30 minutes before I'm like, okay, that's enough. Um, mm. So it it really varies from day to day and week to week. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and it sounds like uh, at least for this 3D portion, um, the code that you're writing in here, uh, like you mentioned before, this is all in a code sandbox. It's not actually part of Thorium yet as what I'm, I'm getting, or maybe it is now. Yeah, I started in Code Sandbox, and then uh, as soon as I felt good about what I had there, I pulled it out and brought it into Thorium. Um, Thorium is very network and server-centric, so the cool thing about the animations that you're seeing in the videos and the Twitter thread, all of those animations are actually being calculated on the server, the physics and everything. Wow. And it's just sending positions to the client uh, 10 times a second and then the client is interpolating those values uh, to, to make the smooth animations. Um, mm. I've what, tested- What are you using for that? Uh, is there a library that you're using for those interpolations? No, uh, I'm using React hooks. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's React 3 Fiber, once again, is just an incredible abstraction on top of 3.js. Um, it has a hook, a React hook called useFrame that lets you insert code into uh, 3JS's animation frame. And uh, all I have to do is just figure out how long it's been since the last data came in from the server and um, do a linear interpolation. You can Google that if you don't know what it is. Basically, it splits up a change over time into segments, and I can pick any one of those segments, and it tells me what the change is at that particular time. Um, mm. So if I know the time that it should be at, then I can put it in the correct place in that frame. Mm. Um, so no real library. Um, I am using GraphQL for this, but uh, it, it's subscriptions that I'm using WebSockets. Mm. So it's just sending that data down WebSockets to get it to the client. But you don't have to use GraphQL for that. You can just use a regular WebSocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, and actually the the whole tech that you're using for this is interesting and, and people can learn more about that from your uh, conference at uh, your your talk at React Conf. It was really a fascinating talk. It's actually very well done. Good job. Um, oh, thank that. you, Kent. Um, so yeah, so with all of this over the last few years that you've been working on this on the side and uh, just kind of small and simple steps over time, there's got to be some things that you've learned about building stuff, um, whether it be, you know, hobby projects or, or, um, you know, or even work projects, um, whatever the case may be that um, you could uh, give as advice for people who have their own projects that they're working on. Maybe they're feeling um, demotivated about it or whatever uh, the case may be. What would you say are some pieces of advice that you could give to people who are maybe Maybe they don't have a project, but they kind of want to have something that they want to work on, or they have something in the back of their minds, but they just haven't really taken the time to work on it. Hmm. Yeah, those are a lot of good questions. Um, so I definitely believe that if you are, let me say this the best way possible. 
if you are privileged enough to have the time and the energy and the resources to be able to do side projects, then they definitely, I, I believe side projects give you a lot of benefits outside of just the, the enjoyment of doing them. Mm. Um, I recognize that not everyone's able to do that because of their job situation or their family situation or whatever. Um, but if you are able to do it, I, I do think that that you you will find benefit from that. Thorium and my work have overlapped in a lot of ways where stuff that I do at work has given me inspiration for the spaceship controls and Thorium has given me uh, inspiration for the stuff that I'm doing at work. So it helps that. Um, it's obviously helped me uh, build a nice little community of people that are interested in the things that I'm doing um, and that, that like this thing that I'm doing. So that's kind of fun. Um, when it comes to motivation, I, I definitely have experienced burnout with Thorium before because it is a thing that I'm doing for free. I don't have a ton of users, which is a nice thing because it means that I don't get super burned out by tons of people asking for tons of features. But mm. uh, I still do get a lot of requests from the, the users that I do have. And, and that's a little discouraging when I'm not able to accomplish everything. Um, there was actually a time where I just completely stopped working on it for about a month and a half, just didn't even touch it. And uh, that was necessary for me to be able to recenter, refocus, and get in a good place where I could be motivated and, and energized about it again. And I think that might be necessary for some of your listeners if they are uh, feeling discouraged about something. And then as far as finding something that you want to, to work on, I think the most important thing is just finding something that you know you'll be motivated to work on, um, something that you'll enjoy sitting down working on every single time that, that you do it. Uh, I, I hear a lot of people out in the, the Twitter sphere, the blogoverse, whatever, uh, talking about how you should work on your own problems, solving your own problems, or put another way, scratching your own itch, the kinds of things that mm. uh, are not the best that they could be in the world. You have the tools and you have the power to make those things better. Just a little bit of effort, a little bit of energy every single day and and compounding it over time as you go. Uh, that's that's great advice. And um, as it happens, that's our, our homework for today. So I'll just mention that now. Uh, so the homework for this episode is set a timer for 10 minutes and write down like all the things that you can think of that you want to do uh, during that 10 minutes and then pick one of those things that you'd like to accomplish, uh, which you can do, do in a small and simple uh, number of actions over time. Uh, so it could be a huge project that you've been wanting to work on, like maybe even a startup thing, or it could be just uh, this uh, small and simple um, project that you can get done in, you know, a couple weeks. Um, but the the goal here is to just try and accomplish something with small and simple actions over time. Um, so, is there anything else here at the end, Alex, that you wanted to to mention to folks? Um, just that you all are awesome and amazing. You have incredible, immeasurable worth and value. And I'm so excited for all of the amazing things that you're going to create and bring into this world to make it a better place. I love that, Alex. Thank you. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? 
Um, I'm on Twitter a lot. My handle is ralex1993. And if you're interested in joining the Thorium spaceship community, there's a little chat link on thoriumsim.com where you can join the Discord server and hang out with a bunch of people that love spaceships. Awesome. Sounds like a fun place to be. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing that I, uh, I'll just, we'll tack this on here right at the very end, but one thing that I think would be really interesting in the future of Thorium would be uh, to take it into VR um, or maybe AR. Um, have you thought about that at all? I, I have thought about that. And I think it's an interesting thing, but kind of like these 3D, this 3D universe took me several years to think about and percolate <laughs> how to best execute. I think it's going to take a bit of time before I get to that point. Um, if anyone wants to send me like a, an Oculus Quest or something, though, mm. so that I can actually build VR support of some kind in the Thorium, I'd be down for that. But I don't have any <laughs> VR gear yet myself, so... Mm. Well, maybe it won't be too long before uh, we're we've been in quarantine for so long that they, like it becomes a basic necessity. We're all <laughs> yeah. at the oasis all day, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alex. It's been a pleasure to chat with you, and uh, yeah, we'll chat another time later. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Kent. Bye. Bye.